If you've been with us here at church the past month and a half or so, you'd be familiar with uh, our sermon series. We've been going through the book of Philippians. If it's your first time here today, don't worry. We're going to be in the book of Philippians. But if you're not familiar, the book of Philippians is written by Paul. And Paul and Timothy do this kind of as a team. In, in Philippians 1.1, the title says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, they go on to write who this is to. It says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons. So as we've been going through the book of Philippians, this book is written by Paul and Timothy, but it's written to the Christians, more specifically the Christians, the church in Philippi. Now this would be a church that Paul is very familiar with, started as part of his missionary work. And that he is kind of a missionary and an important figure too. So this is written to the Christians, to the church in Philippi, and specifically written to the overseers and the deacons. Common terminology we would know today would be the, the shepherds, the pastors, the elders, the deacons that we have in our church here. So needless to say, Philippians is an important letter. It's giving direction and it's written to this church in Philippi. If you were here last week, you probably heard Bowen preach. He was preaching over Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11. So he covered the first half of chapter 3 last week with us. And you may remember the sentence that he gave us was, The true people of God put no confidence in the flesh, but have confidence in Jesus Christ. Owen took us through how by the power of Christ's resurrection, we share in this suffering that he had, but we live in that glorious resurrection as well. We are the new creations, and we are with him. So Owen led us through the first half of chapter 3, and led us up to chapter 3 of Philippians, verse 12. And that is where I will be picking up today as we look at the text and we look at the word of God as written by Paul here. Now, I don't know about you guys. But I, I'm really into music. And as I looked at Philippians 3, starting in verse 12, a theme really popped out to me. And you might see it up here on the screen, but I have pressing on. Philippians 3, verses 12 through 21. Pressing on. Paul mentions that multiple times here in this last half. But I saw that theme, and I'm really into music. And so something triggered in my mind. The band Reliant K, you guys may be familiar with it, you may not be because you weren't a punk rock kid from the 2000s, but I, I really, really like Reliant K. Let me read you a few lyrics from their song off of their second album called Pressing On. Let me read these to you. Somewhere back there, I left all my worries behind. My problems, they fell out of the back of my mind. We're going, and I'm never knowing, never knowing where we're going. To go back to where I was would just be wrong, because I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. All my distress is going, going, gone. Pressing on, pressing on. I won't sit back and take it anymore, because I'm done with that. I've got one foot out the door. And to go back to where I was would just be wrong. I'm pressing on. Take that lyric, 
Keep it in your mind, but most importantly, think about the text as we read here today. I want you as a church, as the body of Christ, to, to take this challenge as we cover the text. Take Philippians 3, verse 12 and following. Take it personally. Maybe get a little offended. Take the challenge to press on, as we will see. Stand strong and think of that while we read the text here. Let's, let's continue. Let's start in the text here, Philippians 3, starting at verse 12. Remember, again, this is Paul writing this to the church in Philippia and us today as the body of Christ. Let's read the whole text together. Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this or that I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Let those who are mature think in this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal to it also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, now tell you, I even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set only on earthly things. But our, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. We start in the text here, verse 12. And I'd like to call this just Paul's little intro. Um, and I love how Paul comes in here because he comes in with humility. Paul states here in humility that the things he's instructing on, he's not even perfected in himself. He's not yet attained. I don't know about you guys, but I've sat in a lot of classrooms and listened to a lot of teachers, watched a lot of YouTube tutorials in my lifetime. And if anyone's going to instruct me, I find peace in the fact that they're like, I'm not perfect, but this is the best way I can tell you how to do it. I envision, I read Paul coming in here, verse 12. I'm not perfect, but follow my example, because this is how we do it. I love that. You may have noticed in verse 12, the terminology press on is used right away. I press on to make it my own. So I think that's a fairly familiar word to us, press on. But what does it mean? You ever thought about that? Sounds really nice, sounds really good, but to press on, what does that mean? I spent a little time and looked at the Greek wording a bit, looked at the Thayer's Dictionary and whatnot, and what I gathered from that was to run swiftly in order to catch something, to catch a person or a thing. I really liked this last bit. To run after a goal, to pursue. Press on 
is a pursuit. It is specifically towards one thing. So Paul states that he's making a pursuit because Christ has done the same. He's making it his own. And that what, how he's leading in this pursuit is that he's challenging us to do the same. He is charging the Christians to follow the lead of himself, and he himself is following the lead of Christ. Paul is pressing on. He's pursuing. So we know what the definition means. But practically, how do we press on and pursue? I'm grateful that Paul continues. Verse 13, Paul states, Brothers, I don't consider what I've done as my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Pressing on. I double clicked there, sorry. Pressing on. Forgetting what lies behind. I want you guys to remember that Paul's writing this letter. Do you remember anything about Paul? Here's a little tidbit. He used to be called Saul. You remember anything about what Saul's earlier profession in life looked like? Well, if you don't, let me remember about this. It's easy to think of how Paul was a bad person when he was Saul. He was persecuting Christians. He was working for the government. But think about it from another lens. Saul, he held worldly greatness. He was a successful man. He had money. He had wealth. He had the best job. He was his own boss. Not only that, he loved what he did. He got to do what he loved every day as his own boss and make a ton of money at it. Saul was a successful dude. Paul, now, is living a life that when you look at it through a worldly lens, is not great. <laughs> not at all what he had before. But what Paul states here is he forgets what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind, pressing on. I think it's easy for us to forget those bad times, those sins and those struggles, and move on past them. But sometimes we get stuck up on the past that was glorious, the past we liked, the past we enjoyed. So brothers and sisters, today I ask you, do we do this? Do we forget what lies behind? Don't get stuck on the past. Forget it and move on because we no longer live in it. As Owen talked about last week, we are new creations through Christ. I've heard this example many times, and I really, really like it. I think most everyone here that's grown up an adult has driven a car. You ever notice something about a car? When you sit down at the steering wheel, you have a really nice big windshield right in front of you. You have that windshield so you can see the road. You can see everything ahead of you. You might also notice that in the middle of that windshield, you have a little mirror. Usually they're about two inches by six inches. You ever thought about how ineffective a car would be if the sizing of the mirror in the window would be reversed? It's fine to look behind, but the reason we have such a big car window is because we need to know what we're heading towards to see what's ahead. And we just briefly glance at the past because we are moving forward. <laughs> 
I love that illustration. And a lot of times in my life, sometimes I get distracted by the past. I just have to remind myself, look ahead, use that window, not that mirror. Paul states this as well, and that's his whole point for saying, forgetting what lies behind. Let us as followers of Christ follow the example of Paul. Look forward, because if you remember, who I am trumps who I've been. We're pressing on to the goal. But what exactly is that goal? Paul has kind of given us some practical instructions to press on, but what is the goal? We're pressing on towards the goal. Starting here in verse 14, Paul gets into it. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it to you also. Only let us hold true to what we've obtained. Brothers, join me, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So what's the goal? What are we pressing towards? Did you catch it? Paul gave it to us right away in verse 14. I don't know what version you guys are reading out of. That kind of tripped me up too because I was trying to figure out what exactly is the goal. So I grabbed another Bible or two and looked through it. Let me read to you verse 14 out of the New Living Translation. Let me read it to you really quick. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. New Living Translation It really points it out. What is the goal we're pressing on? A heavenly prize. I liked that, so I looked at the word study a little bit more. And it's really hard to convey what the original Greek was meaning. But it sure does seem, when you look at the original wording, it's trying to convey that thought of eternity, a heavenly prize. So what's the goal? We're pressing toward the goal of heaven. Paul continues on verse 15, and he states that those who are mature think this way. Paul is talking about how if you're knowledgeable, you understand this, you know what it means, and you know what actions you need to take. You know that you need to press on if you understand this. But if you don't understand that you need to be pressing on, God is working in your life. He's working to reveal it to you right now. And so if you're here today, let me remind you of that. You know what the goal is? You're knowledgeable? Press on. You're not quite sure what that goal is and what you should be pressing towards? Let God work in your life to reveal it to you. Stay. Watch for God. Be watchful for this. Paul continues... In verse 16, saying, let us hold true to what we've attained. He says, let us keep taking that knowledge and hold true to it. We know the goal. We know what we're pursuing. And in verse 17, Paul reveals his purpose statement, like we would call it in a sermon. This is Paul's purpose statement. He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. He's calling out 
the people he's writing to. He's calling out the church. So did he catch his purpose statement? Paul says, join me. Keep eyes on those who walk as an example, walking towards Christ. That's the mission statement, the purpose statement. Don't follow me exactly, says Paul, but watch those who are walking towards Christ and follow them. Follow those walking towards Christ. It's interesting because it leaves out some other people who aren't walking towards Christ. Are there those that we should not be following? There are some non-righteous examples, people that we do not need to be following. And Paul continues on in verses 18 and following here. Let me read them. For many of whom I have often told you of, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And their glory and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Many people will walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. But we need to press on despite the enemies. The wording here is so, so powerful. As Paul writes, I've told you this before and I tell you now, even with tears. Paul is saddened by these enemies. He knows that they will turn against us. They will turn against our goal to press on towards Christ. But if we read between the lines a little bit here, we see this emotion from Paul, probably, likely, because Paul is speaking of people that have turned. They once followed Christ and now are enemies. Maybe even people he personally knows that were following Christ and are now enemies of the cross. He likely has relationships with these people. I don't know about you guys, but I have relationships with people that followed Christ and are now turning to be enemies of Christ. And I want to personally prepare you for that. These enemies are not just people you do not know. These enemies may be people you have relationships with. I have a friend that's in ministry in Montana, and... I always thought this was strange, but every time he studies with someone through the gospel to salvation, and before they're baptized, he always gives a little caveat. He says, now, you know, if you're serious about this, we're ready to baptize you. But just so you know, the devil is going to work double time for the rest of your life. He's going to take those closest to you and turn them against you because you've made this decision. He's going to take every opportunity and use it to its fullest now, because you have committed your life to following Christ. Don't take that as a discouragement, because we are pressing on to the goal, and it's much more valuable than those that are pressing on to the earthly things. Did you catch what their end is? The people that worship those earthly things, the top of verse 19, it says, their end is destruction. 
Don't minimize this, guys. I think it's easy just to gloss past it. But those enemies of ours who are enemies against Christ, if they continue as such, they're damned to hell. Their end is death. Destruction is all that lies ahead for them. Because they are worshiping this world. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame. And their mind is only set on those earthly things. We need to be prepared to face those enemies, no matter who they may be. And that's why I encourage you to be prepared for them today. They exist. And we cannot let them hinder our goal. We're pressing on towards heaven. And we cannot let them hinder our goal. I think of about five years ago, my dad and I decided to climb a mountain right outside our Bible camp called T-Shirt Mountain. And it's a good three-hour climb. It's not anything crazy if you do mountains. So him and I went in alone because we're efficient that way. We start hiking up. We're rocking it. And we're about three-quarters of the way up. And it's amazing how the beautiful, sunshiny day turned to the loudest thunder, the darkest clouds, and the scariest lightning I've ever seen because I was that much closer to it. And in the matter of two minutes, it was a beautiful day to the worst rain I've ever faced. And guess what I... We were just wearing tennis shoes and t-shirts, had a water bottle for our shelter. Nothing. Now, the reasonable thing to do is to get out of the rain. The quickest way to do that is to turn around and run down the mountain. But I mentioned we were three quarters of the way up the mountain. We were almost there. We had a goal. We were going to the top of the mountain. So my dad and I looked at each other like crazy Montana rednecks and we climbed up the rest of the mountain real quick and got to the top, touched the t-shirt on the top and then started running down the mountain. And it's amazing how that three hour climb only took us an hour and a half that day because we ran up the rest of the mountain and then ran back down. Now, is a mountain in a rainstorm the same as spiritual enemies? Of course not, guys. It's just an illustration. But I want you to think about that. What took place? The enemy, the storm, came at us. But what did we do? We pressed on and finished the goal. Because we were there for a purpose. And touching a t-shirt on top of a mountain is a pretty stupid little goal when it comes to our full goal of heaven. Press on. Our eternity is in heaven. Let's finish reading here in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to pick up here in verse 20. But our citizenship, it is in heaven. And from what it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He who will transform our lowly body to be just like his glorious body. By the power that enables even and enables him even to subject all things to himself. I don't know if you remember verse 14, guys, but we are pressing on to what goal? To heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And just in contrast to those enemies we just discussed, 
It's not our self. It's not the glory of this world. But for us, what we're pressing on toward is the goal of heaven. You may have noticed one of the first words in verse 20 was citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. If you look at the word in the root, it usually means something about community, togetherness. So think about that. Our community awaits in heaven together with our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's in our community. No matter who we face or what we face here on earth as we are pressing on toward heaven, our community and our citizenship, man, it's, it's waiting for us and it sounds glorious. Not only that, but as we read in verse 21, our body will be transformed by Christ. It will be taken from its lowly, tired, broken state and changed into glory. Again, think of the opposite of what was just listed of the enemy. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame. And all of their mindset is on earthly things. None of that matters to us. Because our body is given up and we are given a glorious one when we get to heaven. All of this is done by one single force. It's the power of Jesus Christ. By that power is what we use to press on toward heaven. So we've made it through chapter 3 of Philippians now. Brother Owen spoke last week, and today we made it to chapter 4. Remembering that Philippians is a book written by Paul, and remembering that it is written to the church in Philippi, but also to the Christians, you and me here today, to the church continued. It's all about how we ought to live a life in glory to God. And if you think about what we've read through and we've looked at in Scripture today, how might we, how ought we continue to live a life in glory to God? I charge you, just like Paul charged Philippi, that it is pressing on. We are pressing on by forgetting what lies behind. Don't let that be a distraction. We are pressing on toward the goal. The goal of eternity. We are pressing on despite the enemies that will be there. And we are pressing on ultimately again towards heaven. The community and citizenship with Christ Jesus. Church, I hope today that I've challenged you just like I stated at the beginning but also that I encourage you to keep pressing on. Despite whatever comes your way, we have a common goal together today. We are pressing on, not because of the earthly things, but because of those time in heaven after our life. You may recall that I started today pointing out some lyrics from Reliant K, one of my favorite bands. I almost brought the, brought the vinyl record in for you guys today. But let me conclude 
with the lyrics that I left out that also happen to be the ending lyrics. They say, Lord, you look down on me, but you don't look down on me at all. You smile and you laugh, and I feel all the love you have for me. Lord, I know we're going somewhere, because we're on to something good here, and we are going to make it, after all. Press on, church. Press on. Press on.